everyone, my name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening. Hello, and thank you for joining us today, whether this is your first time tuning in to an episode or you're back for more motivation. Greatly appreciate it and hope, actually, I know you're going to enjoy today's guest. I just love him, Sam Collier. If you're not familiar with Sam, we're going to get right into the podcast here, but I want to tell you a little bit about him because he's so fantastic, an amazing speaker. When you hear him, you're going to know, you're going to feel that energy, and it's contagious. He's a pastor. He's a speaker. He's a writer. He's a host of A Greater Story with Sam Collier, a TV show, radio podcast. He's going to give all the details, and I'll put it in show notes here on the podcast how you can connect with him more. But he is a speaker and host at North Point Ministries, founded by Anley Stanley. He lives down in Atlanta. He's spoken internationally as a speaker, contributor to a lot of organizations, and he lives with his wife and daughter down in Atlanta, Georgia. So very excited to have him on today. There is also a video version of this podcast that will be on my Facebook, Sarah Carnes, on Facebook. But today we're going to talk about a variety of things, understanding how trials in life always serve a greater purpose, how to keep looking to God in faith, even when we feel forgotten. I think we've all been there at some point in our lives, and that God is always writing a greater story. That's what the podcast all is about. That's what his book, brand new book, is out now, telling his story. I'm going to let Sam tell that. He does such a great job sharing the gift of um, how he's really been able to take his life and the trials that he's been through and serve a greater purpose. It's a beautiful story. It's so inspiring. Again, we'll put all the details on show notes how to connect with Sam. But without further ado, I hope you enjoy this podcast with Sam Collier, A Greater Story. I am very excited to talk with you, Sam. I spent a little time. I, I started watching Andy Stanley's church a while ago as we're all like yeah. watching more stuff online. Got yeah. connected, started watching you speak, and I'm like hooked. You are so inspiring <laughs> when you speak. Wow. I just wish I lived in Atlanta a little bit so I could hear you speak live and even more. <laughs> um, but you have such an amazing story. And you have a book coming out called A Greater Story. But there may be some people who maybe are not as familiar. I even spent yeah. some time digging and watching the Steve Harvey show, which you talk a lot about, because that yeah. is where a lot of this kind of transpired and you found out who yeah. your birth parents were. So because we may not all know about this who are listening, kind of just start there for us maybe and what the book greater stories about and how it all came to be maybe with the Steve Harvey show and starting there. 100%. You know, it was a combination of Andy Stanley, North point ministries, Jeff Henderson at North point and Steve Harvey and the show that kind of created this whole, a greater story conversation, movement book campaign, whatever you want to call it. 
um, because something incredible happened on the Steve Harvey show. And then I told the story at one of the North Point campuses. And from that place, here we are about six years ago. Um, I met my biological family on the Steve Harvey show after 25 years for the first time. And it was just insane. Uh, Steve lied to us, told us he didn't find anybody and said, just kidding. Uh, leading up a little bit to the story, um, my mother was 21 when she had me and my twin sister. And so that makes, you know, uh, two kids, but then she had three already. So five kids age 21 and she was in extreme poverty. Um, our dad had left the picture. He was addicted to uh, a lot of different substances and we actually lost him, my biological father, about three months ago from COVID-19 mm. uh, in New York City. And we, we lost him because he had diabetes at the time. He was in the hospital. He walked outside of the hospital when New York was the hotbed and he walked down the street to go and get some drugs, contracted COVID-19, went back to the hospital and passed away. Oh my gosh. I tell that story, one, obviously, to kind of honor his, honor his life, but also to kind of give you a glimpse into um, how much substance abuse had gripped him mm-hmm. and what he was like at 21 when my mother had um, five kids and me and my twin sister. So here she is in the hospital faced with the decision do I raise them in poverty or do I give them up uh, for adoption in hopes that everything will work out? S- similar to kind of the Moses story a little bit. And so she sends us up the river in hopes that everything would work out. And it does. I mean, we, we get adopted by an incredible family, um, black family, middle class, uh, two individuals who had met about a year prior to that in Washington, D.C. at the laundromat on a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. <laughs> and my mother and I called my, my mother, the one that raised me, the one that adopted us, my mother Um, was in the laundromat because the night before on Saturday, her husband at the time had hit her in the head with a hammer Mm -hmm. and he was extremely abusive. He was in the black Panther party. Now, not all black Panthers are aggressive, but he was. And uh, so she got up that Sunday morning um, and she was about to go kill him. And I share that with you um, just because of the craziness of the story because she said, by any means necessary, I have to get out of this marriage. So here she is walking around the laundromat looking like a crazy woman, right? Cause she's getting ready to go do something wild and runs into my father who is a wild man in in himself. He's in the middle of his second divorce. They walk out of the laundromat. They never look back. She doesn't go and kill her ex-husband and they both give their life to Christ for the first time. Wow. And, it's insane. My father was 50 something at the time. So he's really on kind of his last act. He's 84 right now. Oh my goodness. And so he gives his life to Christ. They give their life to Christ. They get married and they start and they realize my mother can't have kids. So they leave Washington DC and go down to Augusta, Georgia, where we had just been given up for adoption two months prior. Wow. Walk, they walk over to our cribs. And they say, we want the two twins. And the lady who's running the adoption home says, no, you don't want them because you see where they come from. They're probably not going to be much. Addiction, prostitution. Because in some of the adoption papers you read, it says that they trace some of my mother's steps back to prostitution, how a prostitution house. But we don't know if she was living there or if she was just prostituting. It was just 
a hard life. And so they say she, they're not going to be much. In fact, they're probably going to be mentally challenged. Oh so gosh. you don't want them. Well, I don't know if you've seen the movie War Room before, but it's by the Kendrick brothers. Priscilla Shire is in it. And it talks about the idea of a prayer closet. And so my mother and my father form a little bit of what they call a prayer closet right there in the adoption agency. And they pray and they say, God, what would you have us do? And they say, they hear from the Lord. He says, these kids are going to be okay. And these are your kids. Take them home. They look back at the lady who's running the home and she's, mm. and they say, these are our kids. We want them. Sarah, long story short, they take us home. My name at the time is Chris. My sister's name at the time is Crystal. They changed my name to Sam. They changed her name to Sarah. No way. <laughs> no. And they raise us on Arbon Avenue, the birthplace of Martin Luther King Jr. We, mm. we, we grew up right across the street from the MLK Jr. Center where the above tombs of MLK and Coretta wow. sit. Um, and my sister gets all A's from kindergarten all the way up to 12th grade becomes an industrial engineer, Spelman grad, Georgia Tech grad. And I'm here on the fish. <laughs> I'm here with Sarah, right? <laughs> and I feel like I made it. Went on to do ministry and some other things. But God just really took a mess and created a miracle. Well, the miracle gets even crazier because a couple of years goes by and my father, who has a barbershop on Auburn at the time, that's why we grew up on Auburn. Okay. He comes home and we're watching NFL football and he breaks the only rule that he sets for us in the game. Nobody talks. He starts talking and he yells at me and my sister and only the way that he can yell in country fashion. Now he thinks that he's talking normal, but he's from the country. Now, not everybody from the country talks loud, but he does. And he yells at us, you need to go find your parents. And we were like, what? He's like, the time is now. And I said, wait, wait. He said, and another thing, I've been watching Steve Harvey. The Lord told me that Steve Harvey was going to help you find your parents. Wow. <laughs> just, and and here's, the, here's the deal, Sarah. He, was, he watched Steve Harvey every day in that barbershop after Oprah had, you know, she, she had retired. And Steve, the Steve Harvey show took over her show on NBC. And so as he's watching the show, show he says that the Lord speaks to him and tells him that Steve Harvey's going to help us do it. Well, I thought he had lost his mind. I got up and I left the house. I found out two weeks later, he convinces my sister to write into the show. I said, why did you do that? She said, well, he kept yelling and Steve's not going to write us back. Ellen's not going to write us back. <laughs> a year goes by. And as I said earlier, uh, Dorothy calls from the Steve Harvey show. She says, you're the first story on our desk. This is my first day on the job. We think we can help you find your biological family. Do you want to do it? I said, let me call you back. I called my sister. I said, do you want to do it? She says, no, but I feel like we have to. We, it, we went up to do the show. When we got there, they hired a private detective and they said they couldn't find anybody, but they wanted to bring us on the show to make a plea that maybe they would show up. We do the show. The first segment ends. Earth, Wind & Fire comes on in the studio and Steve starts singing because he's crazy doing the commercial break. After the commercial break, Lights come back up, cameras are on. Steve looks at us and he says, I know we told you we didn't find anyone, but that's not the case. Your birth mother is here. Eleanor, come on out. And on national television, we meet our biological mother and he says, and your siblings are here. And we meet our three siblings, same mother, same father, never knew we had them on national television. 
that's it's the just, story. It's just incredible. And I, I will say, I before our um, talk here, I went and watched the clip <sighs> from the show and I had to stop because I started crying <laughs> and I was getting all emotional and I was like, yeah. okay, that's enough for now. We're going to we're going to put that away because it was just so beautiful. So, and I'm a crier. I cry <laughs> at every commercials, anything. I mean, the story just touches me in so many ways. I just want to go back a little bit to where your adoptive parents are in the adoption agency. Yeah. And the lady tells them you don't want them. Hmm. All of that. I'm, I'm just picturing being your parents and hearing that from someone, um, even going back 20, you know, 30 years from now, whenever that time was, that was a different time too. And, and nowadays, maybe we wouldn't quite expect something like that to happen. Right. It's so easy for us to listen to those voices in our head or the voices we hear from the media or the voices we hear from social media. How, how, how do you take those voices and use and like, just throw them away, like your parents. Yeah. I mean, the war room, I love that idea of, I mean, even if it's not a separate room in your house, but just going to prayer like they did. I mean, it, is that what they found was the, what was their motivation? I mean, was it the prayer? Was it more than that? Was it talking through things? Did they just forget what that lady said? Yeah. You know, um, as I have kind of said, my dad has this prophetic thing and it it is crazy that he would say that the Lord told him that Steve Harvey was going to help us do it. Mm. And it's crazy until it happened. Yeah. And then it was yeah. like, well, I mean, I guess <laughs> I can't argue with what, I mean, that came out of nowhere and so he's always had this thing where he feels like he hears from the Lord, not in a crazy kind right. of wild way, but just in a, in a little unction. You know, the, the feelings that we all get every now and then where we quite don't know what it is. We really don't quite know what it is, but it feels like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do that or I don't want to go over there or this isn't. And I think he really felt that in, in, in the home um, that no, everything's going to be okay. I also think, I'm not sure if the lady was white or not, but mm -hmm. I do think that she was. Mm -hmm. And I think that they felt a little bit of racial discrimination happening because of the color of our skin. Yeah. Um, and so I think they just saw through all of that and said, no, one, what is God saying? We think they're going to be fine. And then two, you know, what is happening here racially? What's that yeah. dynamic? And I think, you know, from that, they took us home and, you look know, at you I'll, now. Look at us now. You and know, your I'll, sister. <laughs> Sarah, the and other Sarah. Sarah. <laughs> I, I love how you've taken this idea of not everything going perfect in your life because so many people go through trials and, you know, whether it's growing up um, in an abusive home, whether it's growing up with parents who are addicted to drugs, whatever the it may be, health trials even. Mm. How has going through those trials changed you and how has it made the person you are today? And maybe it's that 
pivotal moment of the Steve Harvey show and that changing you. How has all of this made you into the person you are today? Yeah, you know, um, I often say, I don't think that God creates a lot of the trouble that we go through, right? I think a lot of that is a result of sin. I think when people get cancer, I think we experience the type of deaths that we, I mean, just so many different things. I I don't think that God is the author of cancer, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think he uses our trouble to tell a greater story. And he uses trouble a lot of times to shape us. I think we even saw that in the life of Job, um, that Job went through so much and God used that to teach us even today that God is with us. Um, and that he is for us and that he'll give us the strength to make it through whatever darkness uh, that we go through. And so I think God leverages all of the things in our lives to make us who he wants to be. I don't know that he creates all of it, but I do think that he leverages all of it. You know, you, you often hear about how a diamond is created, right? Yeah. It's created from the pressure, the pressure of life. And so sometimes I do think God maybe even allows some pressure to come in to make us refined, right? To refine us into the thing that he has. It teaches us to have a little bit of perseverance. And a lot of times, you know, the Bible talks about letting uh, patience have its perfect work, that we would be complete, lacking nothing. I think that scripture is connected to a lot of the things that we go through, that in the work of God, in, in, in the, as I would call the mundane middle, even in this season of COVID-19 mm-hmm. that we find ourselves in, that in the pressure, he is making a diamond and he gives us the ability uh, to get through it. Also, I think a lot of times um, God in the midst of our pressure and in the midst of our trouble um, will will leverage it in a way to get us to think differently. The Bible says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The scripture that's so powerful to me is it talks about Colossians, set your mind on on things above. I think sometimes, especially now in COVID-19, the scripture has been true for me. Sometimes when we go through our dark places and we go through times of pressure, it is very difficult for us to set our minds on things above because we're so focused on looking at what is around us that's, that's wild and the pressure and the cra- that we, we forget that if we can change our mind, if we can look upward, that God will do something in us like never before. And maybe even we'll see an opportunity in the midst of the pressure that we did not see because we were so focused on all of the the craziness around us. One more example and I'm done. The disciples are in the boat with Jesus Mm -hmm. and the storm breaks out. Yeah. And what is Jesus doing? He's asleep. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And the disciples wake him up in a frantic, you know, frantic, you know, God, you know, Jesus save us pretty much is what they're saying. And listen to what Jesus says. And this is huge, I think, to your question of how God uses these things. Jesus wakes up and he doesn't say to them, are you okay? Mm. Because many of us want to hear that, right? It's like, God, if, if we're thinking that we're going through some things and we cry out to God and we're wanting really to hear, are you okay? We want him to, he doesn't say, are you okay? He says, 
where's your faith? Mm, yeah. That scripture is connected to this Colossian scripture of setting your mind on things above. Yeah. Jesus is saying, what, pretty much, he's, why are you thinking the way that you're thinking? Do you not understand that even though the storms are raging, that the Messiah is in the boat yeah. with you? The creator of the winds and the waves and of the elements is with you. Do you not think that if the creator was with you, that either I can't stop it or that, that I won't stop the storm, which, we, which he does, he calms the storm, or that I can't give you the strength to make it through? Change your perspective. So he uses all of these different things, I think, to shape us. And I think that speaks to everyone who feels lost or going through some kind of health trial, some kind of feelings of abandonment, anything. Yeah. And it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, but that's why for me, digging in the word and getting, <laughs> getting really good at reading my Bible and studying yeah. more than I ever have has really been transformational for me. Um, cause I've had moments in my life where I'm busy and, you know, yeah. things get crazy and boy, like you mentioned Job. God called me to read the book of Job the other night. Mm. I've been having trouble sleeping lately. So I just read my Bible at night. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's like, God, are you telling me you're not going to let me sleep because you want me reading more? Right. <laughs> but you, you mentioned the book of Job and something that has never came to me before as I'm reading it is, you know, maybe there's some teachings in there about how to treat others that are going through those hard trials. Mm. I mean, he has his friends coming to him and blaming him for all of this stuff that's going on one after another. And it just started to look at me and, you know, with so many people going through hard times, whether it's the stuff that's going on in our world with racism, whether it's the stuff going on with COVID, there's trials and people hurting and, yeah. you know, maybe it's, you know, seeing it in different light of like, how are we treating people with compassion when they're going through this? I couldn't imagine being Job yeah. and being treated like that by my friends. Like, you guys know, <laughs> I'm telling you, I should, <laughs> you know, there's just, yeah. so, there's just so much to learn. There's so many good nuggets that you threw out there. I'm trying to go back um, and grab them all. Yeah. Another one that stood out to me is you talked about um, growing up, I believe you said the same street as Dr. King. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. So that's, yeah pretty awesome <laughs> that, you know, you saw that influence, you know, I'm sure, um, and felt that. How did that have an impact on you? Wow. You know, Sarah, it was huge. Um, I often, in, in the book, um, A Greater Story, we, we spend about a third talking about growing up Black in America. And I paint the picture and I, I dive into so many different things of what I've heard and what I've seen and, and how it made me the man I am today. But one of the things that it did on Auburn growing up, uh, looking at the MLK's tomb and, and looking at the mural of John Lewis and looking at Hank Aaron and all of these prominent figures um, that in spite of their, circumstances rose above what it taught me um, was that my color was not a crutch my color did not have to be a crutch but that it could be an opportunity for me to set an example of how to rise above the oppression that you may find yourself in no matter who 
you are. I saw black excellence every single day. I was aware of the oppression, but I did not become a victim of it. And I just believe that with the power of God, um, he would meet me at my efforts like he met Harriet Tubman and like he met Frederick Douglass and like he met Martin Luther King Jr. And I mean, and so many of these civil rights figures that we love, Rosa Parks. Yeah. That in the midst of the trial of the power of God, they rose. And I just think that that's a message, one for all black and brown people, that with the power of God, it doesn't matter what you experience in this life, you will overcome and you can overcome if you meet him and if you follow him and if you reach out and if you believe. But it's also a message for all cultures, black, brown, white, Asian, Hispanic, whatever, that it doesn't matter what you go through or, or what your circumstances are with the power of God, you can rise above. I often say how you view God will determine what your life ultimately becomes. Mm. And of course we know that uh, God works everything out for our good, right? He loves us and he's intervening. It's talking about the providence of God and all these other things, but how we live every single day will be ultimately determined by how we view God. And if we view God as a God that sees us in our lack and wants to leave us there, then we'll stay there. If we view mm-hmm. him as a God that sees us in our trials or in our suffering and just wants to leave us there and doesn't want to do anything great and, and just, you know, he wants us to be poor, then we'll see that. And it's not about getting rich. It's not, this is not prosperity right. gospel at all. Um, but, but this is about the idea of when Jesus talks about the man with the talents, the man that had one he didn't do anything. God took it away. Five turned it into 10, 10 turned it into 20. That wasn't about, well, what, what, it, the, what the passage is about is the idea that God created us to be fruitful and to multiply. And it, it means that he's a God that desires us to have life and have it to the full, but also he's a God that likes to see things grow. Before Jesus ascends for the final time, he says to the apostles, Go, go, go and make disciples spread. In other words, go and make this thing grow. Yeah. And so it's one of the reasons why I believe that God meets us at our effort in spite of the circumstances that we have around us. I got a friend who grew up in the poorest part of Africa. Well, Nairobi, Kenya, the poorest part on the outskirts. When often people hear about this idea of God wanting things to grow and God meeting us and, and, and in the midst of that, having a greater story and, and taking our dreams and efforts and doing, people always often say, well, that works for Americans. Yeah. But it doesn't work for those that are in the poorest parts of the world. That's a, they call it, you know, the American Christianity, right? Yeah. Um, I have a friend, you know, my, my, my friend grew up in the poorest part. I mean, he lived in a hut. In a hut, he would have to walk two miles to go and get water. He had seven brothers and sisters, and he now operates and is the CEO and the owner of one of the largest nonprofits in Nairobi. Wow. They have 200 employees. They work with victims of HIV and AIDS. And um, he's, for lack of a better phrase, one would say successful, whatever you, I mean. But he's doing the work of the Lord. I asked him one day, I said, how did you do it, man? What was the difference between you and your brothers and sisters? He said, one, I gave my life to Christ, but two, I believed, I just believed that there was more for me. Mm. I just believed that there was more for me. 
and obviously submit it to the will of God. We can't do anything outside of the will, but submit it to the will of God. When you reach for more, and that more has to be defined by the will of God and to spread the gospel of the kingdom and to do the work of the kingdom. When you reach for more, God will be with you. He'll meet you there. In many cases, he will increase your territory and even your resources for the purpose of getting his kingdom where it needs to be. And so I just think there's a greater story available for us all if we will lean in and if we will not be a victim and if we let the pressures of life shape us and we learn from them. So you asked me about growing up black in America and I went all the way there, but (laughs) I am so glad you did. Amen. I love it all. It's, it's so inspiring. I can't wait to read the book. Um, uh, I know you have an audio book coming out with it as well. People prefer to listen to the audio book. I'm super excited. Um, You also have a podcast as well. So Tell us how to follow you, how to listen to your podcast, all of that good stuff. 100%. One, the audio book was extremely hard to do. I don't know if you've ever done it. As I <laughs> no, said before, but it seems like a long time, a lot of talking. It's long. It's like, as I said, it's like preaching a seven-hour sermon nonstop. <laughs> I almost died several times and woke up again. I mean, it was so, I was just like, this is a sport. This is a sport in itself. Um, listen, if you want to find the podcast, if you want to find the book, one, you can get the book on Amazon, barnesandnoble.com. We just found out that Target picked it up on their website, which is awesome. Um, or you can just go to agreaterstory.org, not.com, but agreaterstory.org. And you can find everything there. The podcast is there. You can buy the book there, clicking certain links, so on and so forth. So Sarah, this has just been amazing. I'm so excited, Sam. So happy to connect. And we're going to spread a greater story all over. And so grateful for you for sharing it. Thank you so much. You're a blessing. (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Oh, he is so great. Such a fun speaker to listen to and so encouraging. You know, we've all been through those trials and you know, knowing that everything works together for his good. Always such an important thing to remember. He is using us. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, I would love if you could take just a minute, if you have time, to like, subscribe, um, leave an encouraging comment. It's always helpful to know that people are encouraged and are loving these episodes. If you're new, this might have been your first one. Don't miss out. We have other episodes in the past with uh, writer Bob Goff. That was amazing. He just has a new book out as well. Um, One of my favorite pastors, um, Rabbi Jason Sobel was on. We have the creator of the Chosen series, uh, Dallas Jenkins was on, and just a variety of other topics from health topics to uh, mental health, all of that. So hope you'll download, grab some of those other episodes as well. And look out for some fun, really cool guests coming in the future. Have a great day.